Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Luis Sanchez, who is the the director of the Simple Church Collective. I'm kind of on war with the term pastor. I think it uh, diminishes a pest in our midst. We got a lot of pastors, and we call ourselves the pastor. That's a bummer. And Luis is uh, a, a unique individual. He's doing some unique things, and I think you're going to really, really enjoy this this podcast. Thanks for having me, Ralph. It's uh, fun. Right now, we're sitting here in Northwest Washington, just about uh, an hour north of Seattle, and glad to be on the show. Wow, I'm really, really glad to have you here. Uh, you guys are, are are approaching church in a whole different way. I, I don't know that you started that way. COVID kind of interrupted things. Take us through a little bit of the history of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So I've been in and around the church planting world since about 2008. I've been going to exponential things since about then, uh, down in Orlando and learning about church planting. And it's really kind of how I'm wired. My wife and I are both um, high adventure people. And now we recognize that we're tip of the spear people, people that like to start things. And that's just kind of how the Lord has, has kind of wired us. And um, right out of college, out of Naya College, we were a part of a church planting team that planted in Philadelphia for seven and a half years. Uh, and that church became a multi-site church, ended up with two campuses. I kept the original campus. And then the guy who was leading the project at the time went on to plant a second campus um, and then about after about seven and a half years, we felt like the Lord was releasing us from that work. And my wife and I prayed uh, and fasted separately at, at the same time and then compared notes, asking the Lord, hey, where would you like for us to go next? And when we compared notes, we both landed on Seattle somewhere in the middle of that prayer and fasting deal. We both prayed a prayer or something like, hey, Lord, I'm not going to tell the other person that you're asking us to move to the other side of the country where we don't know anyone. So clear to the other side and, and not knowing anyone. And so I guess I don't know. We don't know who was told first. So the Lord opened some doors here with our family of churches, the Christian and Missionary Alliance to end up on staff at a church here. And then eventually we got the church planting itch again. And so we entered a discernment process with the Alliance and uh, we got the green light after a long two and a half year discernment process to plant again, uh, this time leading the plant. Um, And so we moved in the fall of 2019 um, back to the mainland because we were um, pastoring at a church uh, on Whidbey Island, which is just one of the islands around the Seattle area. And then we um, moved in the summer of 2019, partnered with the church that I'm currently at right now, um, physically, where, where this podcast is being recorded from. And they said, hey, they, w- they were so nice to us. They said, hey, Luis, you guys can take up to 50 of our people. We'll financially partner with you. You can do, you know, you can recruit. You can have an office space here. I still have an office space here. You can, 
and and they were super generous. And even throughout this whole entire thing, they've been super generous. Sometimes they've wondered, like, what are you guys doing? Because we're like big, you know, kind of level three, moving towards level four kind of church, wondering, you know, how are you doing things? Uh, but they've been super generous and super flexible. And so we moved here, but we didn't know anybody. So we started having info sessions. We started having people over for dinner. We started um, to, you know, and, and that created some traction and relational kind of uh, ties. Uh, and eventually we invited people to join us. And uh, we built up a team that was like just a little north of 30 people. And then when we felt like we had a kind of a core uh, in February of 2020, we launched two small groups. Um, and uh, like two or three weeks later, coronavirus hit. And it kind of like they had prepared us. They The assessment process had gone through our, you know, emotional stuff, spiritual stuff, uh, financial. They'd gone through our books, you know, with a fine tooth and comb to make sure we were, pre- but nothing that they'd done prepared us for planting in a pandemic. Oh, and yeah. nobody could have, and nobody could have prepared us for that. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and so we went back to the drawing board, took two weeks off. Um, every like everybody else, we went to Zoom. We started trying to do some of the things that we were doing on Zoom. When it got warmer, we were able to meet outside. Um, uh, we able to connect and train the team. We yet actually just went into like a deep training time for about a year. Um, so we weren't going to waste that time. But then we started to ask the question: We feel like the Lord is calling us to remain on mission. Like the mission part, He's not calling us to to stop. But but we started to wonder about the methods, like what did we need to keep doing and what did we need to stop doing, really? And what goals did we need to kind of reorient um, in order to kind of pursue what the Lord was asking us? By God's grace, I had been a part of the Exponential uh, Learning Communities cohort, uh, which, Ralph, I know that you're a part of as well. Um, and uh, I had something to imagine when coronavirus came. Um and I had something to look to and I, you know, and I was continuing to go during, even during that time, that cohort continued to meet. So real time, we were kind of getting to see what other planters and other people in ministry were doing. And so I count that as a huge blessing. And I said that to Bill Kokenauer, who leads that program tons and tons of times that that program's fingerprints is all over what we're doing right now. And so we prayed and fasted as a team. Um, and asked the Lord, started asking this question, what does it take to be a church? You know, what do we actually need? And so really that was the question of irreducible minimums, right? And so we landed on four things, worship, community, mission, and leadership development. If we can do those four things, then um, we could call a body of people a simple church. That, that's, And so that's what we've been doing. Um, we actually lost a bunch of that first team that we first gathered. And in all fairness, like we had called them to a specific thing and a specific vision and that vision kind of shifted. And so, but then the people that said, hey, yeah, we're down for disciple making. We want to do this disciple making thing. We want to focus on Jesus. We want to look backwards in order to go forwards. And we don't want to go back. We want to go back, back to the very beginning. So that's kind of how we're doing what we're doing. And and that's how the Simple Church Collective emerged. And that happened really in the winter of 2021. Paul, um, tell me what's it, what's it look like right now? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, people are interested in numbers and 
form, you know, uh, you, you, I mean, you strike me as, as an apostle, you want, you want to be the tip of the spear. You want to be doing the new thing. You want to plant, you want to multiply all that stuff. I really, really get, and I really, really love and, uh, I super admire what you're doing, but I know that people are going to go, well, you know, I, 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 I know we're in times of change. I know we're in a time of upheaval, but they're, but they're cautious. And so they're, they're looking to tip of the spear kind of people to break the ice and, and show us the way and make, you know, let you make the mistakes that, you know, the early adopters are going to be with you and you've already washed out a few people who are not with you. So tell us, um, you know, what it looks like today and then tell us what you think it looks like three years from now. I like that question. Good question, Ralph. So right now, this is what it looks like. So in um, so back in the in the in the winter that of, of 2021, uh, we kind of went official and we turned the corner and we said, "Hey, this thing that we will call calling Church for the Nations, we're going to start to call the Simple Church Collective." And what we started to do is we kind of doubled down on disciple making. We said. This is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on disciple making. We're not going to make Sunday morning the central theme of the thing that we're doing. And we're not going to put a lot of energy into that. Now, we are going to meet on Sunday mornings from time to time. Um, We have two types of gatherings that happen on Sunday morning. The first and the third Sunday, we have our equipping gatherings. Our equipping gatherings are gatherings for our disciple makers. There are gatherings uh, for our leaders, for people that lead what we call um, uh, right now. Uh, discovery Bible studies, right? Because we're still looking to make, we're not trying to lower that bar of those irreducible minimums. We want worship, community, mission, and leadership development. Unless those four things are happening, I'm not comfortable and we're not comfortable with calling those things churches yet. So we have groups, but I think they're on their way to becoming simple churches. Um, And so first and third Sunday, there's an equipping gathering. Right now we've been going through uh, the Starfish and the Spirit. I know I looked at the podcast and you had Rob on that podcast. And Rob is a great friend of ours, Rob Wagner. Uh, and, uh, And on the other Sundays, for three Sundays of the month, on the second, third, and fourth Sunday, we have a Discovery Bible study that meets um, just online. Um, that was as a that came as a result of COVID nineteen. Uh, we when we moved our things online, that's that was the expression that we kept on on Sunday, and it continues to today. And and right now we're kind of up in the air with like, hey, has that group run its course? Uh, do we need to reimagine that somehow? Um, because in in many ways that group was started as a reaction to COVID nineteen. Um, but now we know more than we did at the beginning. And so now what we would like to do and we're thinking about and praying through is like, how do we intentionally now move forward planting groups and, and planting the gospel in our network of relationships and in our neighborhoods and not be reactionary because that group was first reactionary. So, so that's Sunday mornings, both a discovery Bible study and an equipping gathering. On Wednesdays, we have a Spanish speaking discovery Bible study um, that, uh, we have here in the city of Marysville. And that was born out of a back to school um, backpack um, drive thing that we did. We partnered with the local school. The The principal is a believer. She really, you know, was like, man, we love this, this multicultural angle that you guys are taking. We need more churches like this in the area. And so she gave us kind of free reign to like, just love on the parents. And she gave us an entire list like, hey, we need like, you know, 40, 55 backpacks, 40, 50 backpacks. It was like, yeah, we can do that. Um, and so we partnered with our mother church. And then we, we, we did that. And out of that, this Bible study was born. Um, and so now 
which is really cool, like about a year, year and a half later, that um, Bible study, I'm starting to take a little bit of a step back and kind of giving that away. Um, uh, we have two other leaders that are kind of going to be doing that. But then the people that we got from the Bible, the, the back to school drive there, they've led discovery Bible studies now several times themselves. Uh, and so they've so got they, a couple of things. Right. That, so, so I think you just said the Hispanics are moving faster than the Anglos. They are for whatever reason. They're, All they're, right. they're like, they're, they're, it's happening. And so, and so we're going to be taking a step back because we're starting to see that now after two and a half years of being in our community, in our neighborhood, my wife and I, we now have the relational equity with the neighbors to finally say, hey, we've been throwing these other events and, and we have these other events uh, called our first Friday. And that's an open event, a wide open event to anybody. Anybody can come to that. Um, and that's for all of the network of relationships that each one of the people in the Simple Church Collective have. And we all just get together and you know, we grill, we have barbecues, we, people come out, people, you know, there's wine, there's, you know, and it's just a party. We're just partying with our neighbors. I got a question for you about that, because I hear a lot of these kinds of events, because I think church is really going to have to take on some different forms than we've yeah. done in the past. But tell me, uh, what do you do in the winter? Uh, you know, I was just what do you do in the winter? Yeah, I was just there and it was cold and rainy yeah. and, you know, I hate it. Uh, yeah. I grew up in that Northwest. So, you know, coming back kind of in the, this time of the year reminded me of all the reasons why I think I love California. But what do you guys do in the winter? So we do have, we've still got events planned in the winter. Um, we have actually a Friendsgiving coming up the first Friday of December. And that's, again, opened up to the entire community. And it's also just a great entry point for people. It's like a, it's, it's non-threatening, right? And it's a low entry point for people to like, hey, you know, we always ask everybody to bring something, even if we don't know them. Like, hey, tell your friend to bring something. Just so there's a little bit of buy-in. And so people are like, hey, I'm contributing to this. And it, it's also like, hey, they're expecting my bag of chips, right? Or they're expecting my bag of ice. Like, and so we, and so, but we do have a, a, I think my wife's going to make it like the ugly sweater Christmas deal for December the 1st. And people want to go to that thing. We're frying a couple of turkeys. But here's the thing. Corona has actually hampered a couple of these events because two weeks ago, we're talking about the Spanish speaking discovery Bible study. We've been looking for opportunities and like, and the, and the relational kind of trust that these folks would have with us to be able to invite their network of relationships, their network of relationships is an entire group of Colombian immigrants. Um, there are not that many Colombian immigrants in our community. And they are like the people of peace in that space. And we got 33 RSVPs for a, for a barbecue we were going to have um, two Saturdays ago. Not this Saturday, I just passed, two Saturdays ago, to celebrate one of our people's birthday in in that Spanish-speaking DBS, the person of peace's birthday. 33 people showed up. But they got corona and because they got corona we had to cancel the sign the sign the whole thing and that was the second time they didn't get corona the first time it was a corona scare they were exposed and so so this whole entire COVID-19 thing has had to make our indoor events fluid and in the winter time it has is, we've had to be able to mix and so like kind of kind of switch things around so I don't know if that answers the question Ralph but we we have this partnership with this church here, Smoky Point Community Church, and they have a bigger space. So 
bigger spaces are helpful to be able to have indoor events so that we could be more spread out. And so without the partnership of Smoky Point Community Church, um, we'd be more limited. Um, so that kind of opens up the doors to have some of those events that are I, I still I still want to um, press into where, where we're going to be in three years. But before that, yeah. let, let's assume you don't have because you're you're extreme innovator. Let's ex, let's assume you do not have Smoky Point Community Church. What would you be doing right now with with if all? If I don't have, pressure? yeah. If if this was gone, what would you? I mean, would you be going to coffee shops at night? Would you be going to bars, yeah. gyms? What, yeah. you know, what would all you of those? Do? Yeah, I think it depends on what what would be available and the type of people that are in our network of relationships. If the type of people that are in our network of relationships are gym goers, and maybe we'd explore gyms. But there's this is the Northwest, so coffee shops are always an option. The thing about coffee shops in 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 and around here, like only a few coffee shops will remain open in the evening. So we'd have to kind of innovate and try to figure thing something else out. Um, I'm a, I'm a part of a church that uh, takes advantage of the fact that only a few coffee shops are open in the evening, and they rent them in the evening after they close. Oh, that's awesome! And they find that uh, they they've planted. Uh, five churches in expensive Southern California beach towns, much more expensive than Seattle downtown. And they're doing it for almost no cost. Nobody's paying oh. there. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible model. Uh, just something that, you know, might consider. I got a friend in Texas who's using a bar on Sunday nights. Uh, he went in and basically bought the place out. What's your worst night? Your your, your lowest profit. Um, and, and he doesn't take the whole bar. He only takes a, mm-hmm. a huge chunk of the bar. Those are things. But again, I want to, I want to press you right now yeah. because, because you're the kind of guy that you are, you you tend to be able to just pick up and move with what's, you know, what's there. So let's assume you've lost the church and it's just what you have right now. It's it's not who might be in the church and their contacts, mm-hmm. but with, with what is available to you right now, suddenly, boom, I lost it. I got two weeks to scramble. What would you be doing? Yeah. Well, I think we, we, I got two weeks to scramble. I think we would continue doing some of the things that we're already doing. Um, and then for our next first Friday gathering, I'd probably plan it elsewhere. Um, I'd do something like a bowling alley, right? A bowling alley, I'd, I'd rent that out somehow and 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 just connect with people and then just uh, try to figure out like a discovery Bible study. In fact, I just had an event at a bowling alley here um, uh, just north of Seattle with 20, I invited 20 other uh, uh, simple church, micro church leaders from the area uh, who are, are looking to figure out how to do this up entire thing um so something like a bowling alley i'd look for a third space right i think that that's what you're getting at and i think that's the same thing that we're looking at is a third space um so something something along those lines in the in the winter it becomes a little bit more challenging but i think that we could figure something out that's cool so now talk to us about uh three years out what what, what you're gonna look like yeah three years out my my hope is that we are closer to the urban core uh, because what we would love to do is to uh, create hubs all over the greater Seattle area uh, and and uh, train and multiply leaders that lead and disciple simple churches. Um, and so I think we in, in the next three years, our hope is that we're closer to the urban core um, and that uh, we are seeing churches and, and disciples being made uh, routinely 
um, and trained out of that urban core and, and out of the hubs that are born out of that space. Three years from now, I would love to see three to maybe five hubs in the area, um, all the way from where we are now, uh, just north of us uh, in, in the Oak Harbor area, all the way down to uh, the Renton area. I'd love to see one in the north, I'd love to see one in the south, and I'd love to see one that is central and then see something else that 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 uh, that that kind of others that that multiply out of that. I'd also love to see um, our our culture um, become more healthy, right? And I'd love to see the iteration, maybe the third or fourth iteration of our disciple making process. Right now we're on iteration like 2.0, right? Uh, but I'd love to by then, I think, have honed in our disciple-making process and our disciple-making continuum a lot more. Um, I'd love to see people um, come together from the entire area uh, quarterly to, to worship. Um, people from south of us, people from north of us, uh, and, and a little bit east of us to come together quarterly uh, for a you know, a, a bigger setting kind of worship service. Um, that's something that we do miss though, because we don't get to do that a lot. And we actually have talented people on our team who that's what they used to do in big church, right? Um, and so we want, we don't want to squander those talents either. And so from, from time to time, we'd like to get together as a family, but I'd love to see a healthy multiplying culture um, uh, and, and, and at least three hubs here in the greater Seattle area. Well, form follows function, and you guys are all about function, and the form is shifting, which I think is, again, you're, you're kind of the pathfinders for a lot of the rest of us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.